praise the Lord. Uh, I, I don't know if you are relating with my heartbeat. Nimesikia said akisema a heartbeat is 170 something. I don't even know my heartbeat. <laughs> Praise God. It's a joy to be found in the house of the Lord and it's a, it's a joy to be found um in the presence of the Lord. Um as I stand in this place um I'm grateful to God for this opportunity because I'm not just preaching to you, I'm also preaching to myself. The topic rebirth is a topic that is um, much avoided in the church today that no one wants to consider such a topic. I'm sorry, my height, never mind. So, <laughs> so um, <laughs> yeah, so it's a topic and, uh, most people will not consider because they assume that it's only a topic for new believers. I'm sure some of you, you are even wondering, why are we talking about rebirth? And uh, you're already asking yourself, should I move out or should I continue sitting? I beg that the Lord will help you to sit and listen from, uh, from his word. So we are considering the book of John, chapter 3, um, from verse 1 to 15. And... Um, before we get there, I think I should just, um, you know, I didn't, I, I came alone, so <laughs> I'm, trying to, I'm trying to think of what I should do because I came alone now. I would love um, to appreciate, um, um, I love to appreciate Samuel Kitanga and Patrick Wasonga and uh, Nelson Karanja and uh, Lame Comerio, who have been very elemental in preparing this um, sermon today. Now let us go to the Bible, the book of John, chapter 3, from verse 1 uh, to 15. Uh, we have read this scripture here again. At some time back, um, we were able to, to read this scripture together. We have also had sermons on the narrow path. We have had someone on, on the bronze neck that are still uh, in line with this. And probably you've been reading it even in your closets. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from. Or where it goes, so it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. 
Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? And Jesus answered him, Are you the teacher of Israel? And yet you do not know, you do not understand these things. Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be uh, lifted up, so that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Lord, we are grateful for your word. We pray that as I stand in this place, Lord, you are using me uh, to speak your word with clarity and in a manner that glorifies you. In Jesus' name we pray. So, the topic is rebirth. Look at Nicodemus coming to Jesus at night. One thing we need to know, who is Nicodemus? Nicodemus is described as a rabbi, a teacher of Israel. You are reading from verse 10 where we know that this guy is, is a renowned guy, he's, he's a great person. And uh, at his day, a teacher of the law, there are these people who are experts, experts in the scriptures, experts in the opening of scriptures. And uh, something else we know about him, or rather we know about these days, is that these are the days when these are the days when the rabbis are very popular. They are at their peak. These teachers of the law, they are the kind of people when you, if you have anything you want to consult that uh, that pertains the law of Moses, the story of the prophets, these are the people you should consult. And now this is a very great man. You can, you can now see why he came to Jesus at night, by the way. I, I, I hope you can already relate why, why he is coming at night. I'm trying to imagine this is our, our president visiting a, a Christian leader. In fact, a person that is seen as a son of a carpenter. Can you even go by day? Can you even visit him during the day? No. He's a very great man. He cannot even come during the day. This is impossible. And now look at his question. Not even a question. Look at his first statement. Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. For no one can do these things that you do unless God is with him. He's an expert of the Lord, Buana. We should expect better of you, right? He's beating around the bush. Can't you see, like, his real problem is not even expressing it. Praise the Lord. I'm trying to find something that will keep you active. Praise God. Now, an expert of the law is coming to a son of a carpenter, and he's calling him Rabbi. We know that you are a teacher. Come from God. For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Now, Rabbi, he's calling him a teacher 
<laughs> I, don't want to, uh, um, I don't want you to forget how these uh, teachers of the law and the, and, the, and the Pharisees viewed Jesus. I don't want you to forget that. I don't know, I, I don't know if you knew that if you are a son of a carpenter in such a time, you are just a carpenter. That is what you would become. So, they just view him as a carpenter to be. Okay, let me use mining engineer to be. So, uh, in the making. So, Nicodemus came to Jesus at night with praises to Jesus about the things that he has done. Oh, you are a great person. You are a teacher of Israel. Eh, and he definitely doesn't want to appear inferior and helpless. The answer of Jesus is very on point. You remember this Jesus when you, when you read the end of chapter 2? Is this guy who knows the minds of men that he understands us? Look at chapter 2 verse 23. Or rather 24. But Jesus on his part did not entrust himself to them because he knew all people. This is Jesus. John chapter 2 verse 24. He knew all people. And so knowing the mind of this guy, stop going, let me use our, a term that is used in our days. Stop beating around the bush. Don't go through the corners. Now he's coming to the reality. Don't go through the corners. He's telling him, this is your real problem. You are not here because of the praises that you're bringing. You're not here because I am a rabbi and I'm a good teacher. You are here because you are troubled. You are troubled. And it's the same trouble that is troubling you and me. You don't want to say it loud. You don't want to shout it out aloud. Here is your problem. Verse 3. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. I have found one now. I want you to be telling your neighbor, you must be born again. Tell him, tell him. Yes. <laughs> you must be born again. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. He cannot see. Now, let us look at that word, see. <laughs> He cannot perceive the kingdom. Of, he cannot even picture the kingdom of God. Praise God. Tell your neighbor you must be born again. The reality is that we are sinners and we are helpless to save ourselves from the wrath of God towards sin. And this is clear in our hearts. Though we are not shouting it out aloud, Though we are not saying these things aloud, it is clear in our heart that you must be born again. You don't, in, in your heart you just know there is something wrong with me. And you might not share with me and, and him and the other person. But the Bible knows, even Jesus knows the hearts of men and he knows your greatest need is to be born again, is to be with, uh, is to be in good terms with God. That is the, 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 the time we use in our, in our days. 
we are failing to express it out clearly because of our position. Sometimes we think we are great people. By the way, some, some of us have, have risen into great positions. Some of you have even become part of committees. Right now you are called, I'm trying to find the exact words. Right now you are called somehow leaders. Yes. <laughs> yes, you are called leaders. You have even rose to that level. And so you are afraid if you just tell people, by the way, I don't even know if I'm born again or not. How did, you, how did you even come to become, how did you even get to become a missions coordinator? Yes, we fail to ex express whatever that is within because of our position, status, and sometimes pride. But you can see clearly how Nicodemus responds to this statement of Jesus. He actually admits, admits that there is a problem. And now he's interested in this conversation. Look at him. Look at verse 4. How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? I did not by the Ulijuaje. No. Ulijuaje? No. He is there now, by the way. What is, how, how can I be born again now when I'm old? Yeah? He sounds like, tell me more. I want to hear now. I want to hear this thing. Tell me more. I need to understand. You can see a man who has started seeing the light. It is now becoming clear to him that his, his emphasis on his works, his emphasis on the things he can do for the kingdom without being part of the kingdom do not matter. There's another rich man who came to Jesus and he was with the same doubts in his head, like the doubts we are having right now. And he was asking Jesus, good teacher, what must I do to inherit the kingdom? And Jesus is like, hmm? why do you call me good? No one is good but God. And then he continues with the commandments. Shall not commit adultery, shall not murder. Then he ends at, honor your father and mother. And then the young man is like, all these things I've done from my childhood, what else remains of me to do? Jesus is smiling and he's telling him, go and sell everything that you have. Give the process to the poor. Come, come and follow me. Everyone is asking, what can I do? Everyone is asking, what shall I do? And he's actually telling you, you can do nothing. How can these things be? That is the next question we want to ask ourselves. I just want you to ask your neighbor again that question that we were sharing about. That question. Oh, it's a statement. Now you can tell him again. You must be born again. This is the thing. <laughs> this is the thing. Jesus is here explaining now. This guy is now getting interested in the conversation. And now we come to the next portion where Jesus explains how this takes place. Jesus explains rebirth as being born of water 
and of the Spirit. And uh, there's a common mis misconception, and I don't want us to dwell there so much, but I will hit there, that when Jesus tells uh, this man, born of water, he's talking about baptism, and I want to tell you that is not what the, the Bible expects us to interpret it. Um, says, unless a man is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom. That is verse 5. What should we expect of Nicodemus? How did Nicodemus understand this verse, for example? Because at his level, baptism is not in his head. If we are honest with the text, if we are honest with the context right now and right there, this guy is this guy cannot even perceive anything to do with baptism at this time. In fact, he's an expert of the law. And this guy is speaking from a point of, this is what you should know. And that's why at some point he's, Jesus is asking him, are you a teacher of the law and you do not understand these things? Verse 10, which says, are you a teacher of the law and you do not understand these things? And so, definitely we cannot say he's talking about baptism. But what we can do is, let us look at the past, or rather the law and the prophets, what they have said about this thing. When we examine Ezekiel 36, verse 25, we learn that God had predicted through the prophet Ezekiel that a time is coming when God will cleanse people of their uncleanliness and their idolatry and will place in them a new spirit. If this is something that Nicodemus can relate with, then this is one of the go-to scriptures. We can also examine one of Paul's letters, uh, what we've been reading in the, in the Bible studies. Titus chapter 3 verse 5, Paul, in talking about such matters, um, he says, he saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Spirit, of the Holy Spirit. We can correctly infer from Ezekiel and uh, the book of Titus that born of water and born of the spirit is the regeneration and the renewal of the heart that the Holy Spirit does in those who believe. And this is rebirth. That rebirth is the regeneration and the renewal of the heart that the Holy Spirit does to those who believe. Tell your neighbor you must be born again. Jesus emphasizes that the work is purely of the Holy Spirit, that it has nothing to do with you. The same question that this young man is coming and asking me, Jesus, what must I do? You are looking for more things that you can do. He is actually telling you you can do nothing. We learn that rebirth is the work of the Holy Spirit in a believer to transform him into a son of God. 
That is John 1.12. In fact, the actual translation of the phrase born again is to be born from above. Is a line I've picked from Charles Spurgeon in his sermon, The Victory of Faith. He says, I tell you that there must be a, regenera a regenerating influence exerted upon your minds by the power of the Holy Ghost. If I tell you that there must be a regenerating influence exerted upon your minds by the power of the Holy Ghost, you will, tell, you will tell me that I am just enthusiastic, I'm just happy. But that is the reality. Spurgeon says that rebirth is only possible when the Holy Spirit has exerted in a mind of a believer a regenerating influence. The actual work of rebirth, according to what we can read from here, from the book of John chapter 3, the actual work of rebirth is actuated and completed by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit does everything. In fact, the Holy Spirit calls men to believe by the means of the gospel. The Holy Spirit convicts men of sin and righteousness and judgment. John 16 verse 7 to 8. The Holy Spirit converts those who believe to a new nature of sonship. John 1, 12, the Holy Spirit confirms us with a seal that guarantees them inheritance as children of God. Praise the Lord. Can tell your neighbor again, you must be born again. It all comes from the calling of the Holy Spirit, the conviction of the Holy Spirit, the conversion of the Holy Spirit. And the confirmation, still, the Holy Spirit. Such that you have nothing to boast. Some of you, if I ask you if you have been born again, you will tell me. Five years ago, I was in a crusade. And the preacher said, If this message has touched you, please come forward. Please kneel down. Repeat these words after me. Say, Lord Jesus. And we can continue the message. Praise the Lord. And you can continue pointing to that over and over again. But I tell you, if your salvation is based on that repetition of a prayer from a man, from a person like me, you are probably not born again. Tell your neighbor you must be born again. Now we can proceed with scripture. Next question we, the next point we are going to ask ourselves is, how do we know you have been born again? How do you know that you have been born again? Bible says, the wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound. That there is evidence of the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer, just like the perceived sound of the wind. I'm reading from verse 8, John chapter 3, verse 8.
the fact that a believer can see the kingdom, can perceive the kingdom, and is not anxious about his life, it means regeneration has taken place. You can now view the world from the mind of God. That the wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound. We do not know. We cannot tell how the wind looks like. But the reality of rebirth is seen in the life of a believer. We can hear its sound. I don't know if there is anything, there is any sound of regeneration in you. Praise the Lord. I don't know if there is any sound of rebirth in you. I don't know if someone can look at your life and they can see a truly born again Christian. The sound of the wind, of the Holy Spirit sounds like hunger and thirst for righteousness. This man is striving to pursue the kingdom of God and its righteousness, John 6.33. He is grieved by sin and he quickly mourns for their sin without hesitation. Do you even mourn for your sin? When you sin, do you even care if God is seeing you? Praise the Lord. If that is not a reality in you, you have not been born again. I don't want you to be happy out of this sermon. I just want you to be angry. The whole time as we leave this place, go and be angry the whole day. Paul Washer, in one of the sermons, it's called the, shock, the shocking sermon. I think most of you have, have encountered this sermon online. He says this statement. That repentance is a turning away from sin, a hatred for the things that God hates, and a love for the things that God loves, a growing in holiness and in the desire not to be like the latest popular idol, not to be like the world, not to be like the great majority of the American Christians. Now, let me add, not to be like the great majority of the Kenyan Christians. It is a desire to be like Jesus Christ. If this work of regeneration has really taken place in you, we can see this by your hatred for the things that the Lord hates. We can see this by your pursuit of the things that the Lord would love you to pursue. We can see you putting to death your body. We can see you can see you turning away from sins. We read in Colossians and we we always read that and we are like, okay, fine. See how Colossians chapter 3 starts. It starts with setting your minds on things above. It starts with setting your heart on things above. There is nothing like a carnal Christian. That is not a Christian at all. There is nothing like a secular Christian. I don't know. I'm trying to find the exact words that we keep using. 
when people are going to their Bibles, when people are busy in their, in their schedules of reading their Bible, people are talking about their testimonies of how they have been reading their Bible and how their Bible has impacted them. The only thing you can share is John 3.16. It's because you do not have the hunger and thirst for the word of God. And I'm telling you, if this is not in you, I can tell you for sure, you're probably not born again. Tell your neighbor you must be born again. This is very important for you and me. People are angry for God. People are going for missions. People, I'm not trying to say that these things actually save you. People are angry for missions. People are angry for God. Like people are, people are waking up at five to pray. People are waking up at five to read the Bible. None of these things can save them. That is the excuse we keep using. But I'm telling you, if these things are not in you, if, this, if these disciplines, if you are not angry for these things, I'm telling you, you are probably not born again. I'm here to tell you that you must be born again. You might convince us to rise up even to the level of Hey, let me say most of them you might convince us and even rise to the level of a vice chair, a missions coordinator, an organizing secretary by, your, by, by the way you conduct yourself with us and I'm not just talking to the exec, I'm talking to you you might convince us and we can give you even the, the authority to come even to the finance and to the missions docket and to the welfare committee and all those committees and you can serve there but I tell you if you are not born again it's in vain one thing tell your neighbor again you must be born again those who have been born again this is the assurance they have that they can see the kingdom. Verse 3. That is the first thing. They will see the kingdom. I don't want us to jump out of this John chapter 3. It's a very interesting portion of scripture. My time is up now. Those who have been born again, this is the assurance they have that they will see the kingdom. And if they can see the kingdom, they can pursue the kingdom. Praise the Lord. Another assurance they have is in verse 5. They will enter the kingdom. I say they can see the kingdom because they can perceive it. They can picture it. They can understand what the kingdom looks like. And that's why they are busy putting their, their bodies to death. They are presenting their members of their bodies as instruments of righteousness to God, as instruments of holiness. Because they know what the kingdom looks like. There is a holiness without which no man will see God. They are pursuing that holiness. They will enter the kingdom. They are assured of entering the kingdom. That is verse 5. Verse 15, they will have eternal life. And you can also read verse 16, they will have eternal life. 
they will enter the kingdom implies that they will heed to the call to enter by the narrow gate and be part of the family of believers. The Holy Spirit helps them to set their minds and their heart on the things above. They will have eternal life, which means that they will be with God forever in the new heaven that is creating, in the new earth that is preparing for those who are in him. Just to move up, just to move away a bit, you can add that they will be held in his hands and no one can snatch from the hand of God. John 10, 28, 29. They have an assurance. Sometimes we just sing that song, he will hold me fast. Yes, I don't know if that is a reality in you. I don't know if you are truly in him because those who are in him they are assured of eternal life. And now brothers and sisters I have made you realize that there is nothing you can do. I have made you realize that I'm just convinced, I'm convincing myself that I have made you realize that. I have made you realize that it is purely the work of the Holy Spirit. That is the calling of the Spirit, the conviction of the Spirit, the conversion that the Holy Spirit does, and the confirmation that he does with a seal on you. And probably you're asking yourself now, it's the work of the Holy Spirit now. You are like that Kaimoji. Jesus brings in the story of the bronze serpent in a way now. As we get to the end, verse 14. Here he compares the coming of the Son of Man to the raising of the bronze serpent. I don't want to go so much into the sermon of the bronze serpent because it has already been preached here. But I'll just say a few things. That he compares the coming of the Son of Man to the raising of the bronze serpent where we see Moses lifted up the bronze serpent that whoever looks at the serpent even after he is beaten by the serpent, will not die, but will have life. Similarly, the Son of Man will be lifted up on the cross, and whoever believes in him will have eternal life. That is verse 15. Now the Son of Man has been lifted up. The Son of Man has been lifted up on the cross, and he says, whoever believes in him has eternal life. He is the way and the truth and the life, he says. And no one can come to the Father except he comes through him. He is the bread of life and he's calling you to come. Eat and you will not see anger again. Here he offers living waters. He says, come and drink of me and you will never thirst again. This is the invitation, the great invitation to you and me, he says. Come. Verse 15 says, whoever believes in him will have eternal life. In fact, you read from verse 16 to verse 36. Believe, 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 believe. Continuous. Believe from verse 16. Believe verse 19. Believe. And you can read all of it and you will see. The Bible is calling us to. What? Believe in him. And there are some of us here 
who think they have believed in him. But they do not look like people who have believed in him. We can examine their life and we cannot see the sound. We said in verse 8 that the wind blows where it wishes. And you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. There is nothing. You are just a churchgoer. You are just a member of our Wednesday fellowship. Thank God you came today. The sermon has been preached here about the wide and the narrow path. And I can tell you for sure that the wide path is easy to follow. So long as it looks like Come as you are. There is nothing like repent of your sins. There is nothing like confess of your sins. There is nothing like turning away from your sins. There is nothing, there is nothing like hatred for the things that the Lord hates and pursuit for the things that the Lord loves. Come as you are and remain as you are. It has come even to the church that even we can tolerate the LGBTQ thing in our churches. We can tolerate everyone. Yeah, yani, you are just good. I mean, the, the someones are like, unleash the man within as if there is anything with you. The someones look, the someones look like, I'm just, I'm not, I'm not trying to hit that course anyway. So, <coughs> the someones look like, there is something within you that is so special, yet there is nothing within you. There is nothing within you that can save you. He is calling you to believe in him. Don't believe in your arms. There is a man, is a man um, who keeps sharing on the internet. I'm just I'm already forgetting his name. Yes, the name is gone. And he keeps saying that this journey looks like a people in a plane. And uh, the plane is about to crash and the pilot is saying, if there is anything you can do to save yourself, please do because there is nothing that we can do. And then there is people who say, believe in yourself. They are saying, I think I can jump out of this plane and I will land in water and I will not perish. I will not die. That is one. One of the people who takes it and say, fine, I have my arms and I can flip and I can jump out of this plane and I will land safely. The someone today look like, believe in yourself. I'm telling you, there is nothing in yourself. Believe the message. Believe in Christ alone is the only one who can save you. There is this extreme that says, I will take the parachute, but I will take it with my own instructions. I'll take it with my own ideas. And so there are these people who take the parachute and they hold it and they jump with it and they are like, okay, I think I know. I think I know how this thing works. He's telling you, you don't know. I'm telling you this salvation doesn't look like you know. You know nothing. God knows it. And he has made his provisions through his word. Try and jump with your own instructions and perish. 
And there is this man who picks up the parachute and asks, what can I do with the parachute? And he's told, jump, count 30 seconds. After 30 seconds, count again 30 seconds and then open, flip this and flip this. And perhaps, <laughs> perhaps, and so this guy takes up the parachute and he jumps out of the plane and he follows the simple instructions and he opens the parachute as instructed. And he lands safely. And then there is this extreme that remains in the plane and says, <laughs> I believe in myself. I know these things don't crash. <laughs> these pilots, they have always said these things. They have always said these things. Like they keep telling us these things. This story is not about the plane and the, and the crash and the jumping. This story is about you. Tell your neighbor you must be born again. The Lord has said the common verse that we keep sharing when we are in our missions. Romans 10, 9. That if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth, you will be saved. You can talk about verse 10. I'm trying to get, to get it. <laughs> you can talk about verse 10, which says, For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. So, the Bible is the manual. It has given us the whole idea that we, that the work of salvation, the work of rebirth is purely the work of the Holy Spirit. But he's giving us an invitation to believe in him and to confess him. And I'm telling you, Believing in him demands also obeying him, obeying his words. He has said, come to him. I told you I don't want you to leave this someone happy. I don't want you to leave this service very happy. I want you to leave this place asking yourself if you are really born again. I may not be preaching like your favorite preacher, I may not preach like T. Mwangi. I may not preach like, who is your favorite? Joshua Selman. I may not preach like, who is your other favorite? Yes, I may not preach like Benny Hinn. Who is your other favorite? Yes, I may not preach like Charles Pajon if he is your favorite. But I want you to leave this place knowing that if you are not born again, you will not See the kingdom. Even though you think you can see, even though you think you can enter. Remember those people who came to Jesus saying, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name. We preached in your name now. I'm here. We did many mighty works in your name. 
And then this is Jesus telling them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. That's why I told you it's possible to fool us. It's possible to be coming to this place every Wednesday and come to him only to find this, I never knew you. Bible talks of hell as a place of torment and he talks of two kinds of people. One extreme he says they will be weeping. They will be like, I wish I knew. But there are those who will be gnashing their teeth. There are those who will be gnashing their teeth and they will be like, Lord, why am I here? I don't want you to be among those who will be saying, why am I here? Come to him in repentance. Today is the day of salvation. Today you have heard the message. If you saw that short man standing before you and you are like, why is this short man telling me all these things? Maybe you have lost the whole sermon. That is what you are living with. Let us pray. Lord, we are grateful for the message. We are, great, we are grateful because you have spoken to us on this topic of rebirth. And we pray that, Lord Jesus, as this message comes into our hearts, that, Lord, you are, are convicting us of our sins, you are convicting us of your righteousness and your judgment. You are drawing us to you, Lord Jesus. You are transforming us. You are sealing us, even with a seal that makes us worthy to be called children of God. Father, we come to you as sinners in need of your grace. Sometimes we have failed to understand this call and we have tried to flip our arms in trying to save ourselves We've been asking ourselves what we must do, yet you have done it all and you're only inviting us to believe. Father, may you help us to believe you. Help us to put to death our sinful nature. Help us to put to death our earthly desires and to put on righteousness. And the message has been shared just with our eyes closed. If, if you are there and you have not been born again, this is a question that has been asked on this, this uh, pulpit over and over again. If you are there and you have not been born again, I would appreciate if you just lift up your hand. If you, if you think this message is important to you, if you think this message has been so important to you and you know you must be born again and you think you need to be born again, you can just raise up your hand and we'll 
pray together. Wherever you are, the message has been shared. Lord, we are grateful. We are grateful for such a time that you have revealed your word to us. May you continue to convict us. May you continue to change us. May you continue to draw us closer to thee. May you continue to make us more and more into your image and likeness. even to the end of time when you will present us as glorified for the Father. Continue to sanctify us. In Jesus' name we pray and believe.